As we celebrate today and Easter and what it's all about and this uh, time together, um, I just think of all the ways that we come to this moment, all the promises God had in His Scripture. And you see the title of the message today is Empty Promises. You know, there's all these promises that God had, and Jesus even Himself said, you know, uh, destroy this temple, in three days I'll rebuild it again. And people seized on that, and, and the religious leaders, you know, condemned Him, thought, thinking He was going to destroy the earthly temple. But instead, Jesus was talking about something radically different, His own body that would be raised and resurrected to life. That this truth that Jesus is alive and that sin and death and the grave are defeated becomes reality in our lives. He told his own disciples that the Son of Man must suffer at the hands of sinful men. And that he would die and be crucified. And that three days later he would be raised to life. And even in David's day, God promised that there would be a king who would come in the line, who would be a son of David, whose kingdom would have no end. So why are promises so significant? Why is this such a big deal? And why do we need to know about these in our lives? Well, there are three things that I think Scripture points out really quickly and the reason why is because you can go through scripture and you can see all these ways that promises are made by God to his people and look today we desperately want to know that the promises come true and so then we're going to talk about not only how can be promises be fulfilled but we've all heard the phrase empty promises where someone doesn't come through right I'm going to show you how Jesus can make things empty so that you're really full. How empty promises change everything for us. So why are promises significant? For 2 Samuel 22 says this, God's way is perfect and all the Lord's promises are true. He is a shield for all who look to Him for protection. David wrote this as a response to all the difficulty he'd been going through, people chasing him, saw, and wanting to seek to end his life. And yet he found the more he leaned on God, the more he found that God was always there for him. Let me invite you on Easter resurrection morning, if you haven't recently, lean into God and see if his promises are true. Now, I can tell you right off the bat, most likely God will answer your prayers with promises that are come from unlikely places. If you talk to anyone who's lived a life of faith in Jesus Christ and they say, has your life been smooth? The answer is no, not even close. <laughs> has it been good? Yes, God has been good in unexpected and in unlikely ways. I have found peace and rest for my soul. I have found hope where I had none. I found comfort when I needed it. And I found that I have a life and a vibrancy that I never knew before. 
David wrote this talking that God's promises really can come true. That there is a Messiah and the purpose of the Lamb of God who was slain from the foundation of the world really does work. There's a way that is perfect and all God's promises come true. That God Himself, if you allow Him, will become a shield for anyone who looks to Him for protection. And the proof is found in the risen Christ. If we respond to Him, then we discover these promises are true. The second thing I think that we can learn comes from 2 Corinthians 1.20. This is a powerful verse that says, For all God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ. And you say, everything? Yes, everything. After Jesus was resurrected and um, some disciples were walking on the road to Emmaus, the scriptures tell us, and they were, they were confused and they said, we had really hoped Jesus had been the Messiah and he was crucified and we didn't know what to believe. And then we heard some women and others share that Christ has come to life from the dead and we had really thought he was going to be the leader, but now we don't know what to think. We don't know where to go. And Jesus comes alongside them. They can't see him for who he is. But they invite him to travel with them. And as they share this, what's been happening, they're stunned that he doesn't know what's been going on. And Jesus begins to talk to them. Starting with the Old Testament, because that's the scriptures they had. And he shares all the promises through the entire Old Testament about the Messiah who would come and that he must suffer, he must die, and he'd be raised to life. Paul, writing to the Christian church, says this, all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, or so be it, ascends to God for His glory. Not only are God's promises are true, but they're alive. They're not stagnant. They're not words on a page. He says this, all the, all the prophecies, all the promises have come true and are in Christ. And in Christ they are, yes! <laughs> you know, and you're like, whoa, calm down. You know, it's not just, oh yeah, God did that thing. It's that God did it and he's alive. He did it and he works in my life. He did it and it makes a difference today. This isn't a 2,000 year old story. It is the story of life now with the risen Christ who can live in each and every one of us. God's promises are yes and amen. You know, people used to say that in church. Amen. And it meant when the pastor was saying something that was truth, they'd say, so be it. So be it. So be it in my life. So be it for truth on this earth. So be it with everyone that we come in contact with. This truth being proclaimed today is truth I need to hear. Paul writes to the church and he says, look, the Jesus is alive and everything that talks about the promises of God now is alive in him. It's not dead. It happens now. This is why you can't mark resurrection on a calendar. As awesome as Easter is, and I hope you all search for Easter eggs. 
as awesome as Easter is, you can't reduce it to a day on the calendar. Because it's not a hope, it's a reality. It's not what was, it's what is. All the promises are true. All the promises are alive in Christ. And all this happens for what? The glory of God, Corinthians says. Here's the last thing that I think is important. And this comes from 2 Peter. And it says, because of His glory and because of His excellence, talking about Christ, He has given us great and precious promises. And these are promises that enable you to share the divine nature and escape the world's corruption. Because of what Christ has done, because of this resurrection, because of what comes alive, there is something that will be in our lives. And what will be is not only Christ alive, but it says, here is the promise. He's given us great and precious promises, but here's the power behind the promise. These are the promises that enable you divine nature and escape the world's corruption. God says two things happen because of the resurrection. You become more like God and have God's life living in you, and you look less like the world and its desires. You become more like God, and you shed the stuff that isn't. Isn't that good news? Otherwise, we're just muddling through life. Otherwise, it's I hope I do more good than bad. Hopefully, something bad won't happen to me. Hopefully, uh, you know, I won't have an accident today. Otherwise, we're just marking time trying to get through the path of least resistance. And this promise says, no, God has something for you. His divine nature. And you can escape the world's Corruption caused by our own human desires and view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. And I wrote this, God's promises are weighty. Not only are God's promises true, not only are they alive, but they're waiting. They're waiting for what? Us to respond. God has promises for you because you're alive in Christ. God has hope and plans and dreams for you. This isn't that the resurrection happened and I celebrate it. The resurrection happens and it changes me. And it changes how I live and it changes my future. It changes what I hope for. It changes what can be. It changes everything. That's the power of the resurrection. So how do we live that? I mean, besides me just encouraging you what does Easter resurrection and Christ being alive mean for us? Well, I think to take a little bit different take on this in this idea of promises, it's this idea. Why is Easter full of empty promises? And you go, what are you talking about? You just told me Easter is true. Absolutely. But there are some things that we let go of. There are things that become different. There are things that change because of the resurrection. And the first one is the promise of the empty cross. The cross is barren. It's empty. Listen to the story of Easter. And afterwards, Joseph of Arimathea, who had been a secret disciple of Jesus because he feared the Jewish leaders, asked Pilate for permission to take down Jesus' body. And when Pilate gave permission, Joseph came and took the body away. 
See, the cross was transformed when Jesus came down from it. The cross is empty. Jesus is no longer there. Joseph came and got his body and placed it in a tomb. And this instrument of death became the place of love and glory of God. The place where our sacrifice was paid. Because Jesus is alive, the cross does not represent death, but it represents life. The significance of the empty cross means something to us. It's the beginning of the story that gives life. The cross is the beginning of resurrection. Jesus and ours. Listen to what Matthew says. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well, then, if you are the Son of God, save yourself. Come down from the cross. He saved others, they scoffed, but he can't save himself. So he's the king of Israel, is he? Let him come down from the cross right now, and we will believe him. The amazing thing is Jesus did come from, down from the cross, but not the way they wanted. Jesus came down from the cross and he left it empty. But he didn't come down alive, he came down dead. So that we could come back to life. People stood there that day and said, why don't you come down from the cross, we'll believe. Thousands of years later, we have millions of people who believe. Not because Jesus jumped off the cross, because he died on it. And he was lowered from it. And the cross stands empty as a reminder. He gave it all for you. The empty cross is one of those empty promises that is so powerful. Because the cross has to be empty. And it can't be empty because Jesus does what other people want. It can't be empty because we demand it. It can't be empty because we want something out of it. It's empty because it was given to you. Whether you accept it or not. It's empty because a price was paid. It's empty because the Lamb of God died here to pay for the sin of the world. And now it's empty. Inviting you to respond. See, the crowd thought if Jesus left the cross, they would believe. But because Jesus died on the cross, the cross is now empty. There's no body. There's no sin. There's no guilt. There's no shame. There's an empty promise on Easter. And it starts with the empty cross. The second thing is with this resurrection story is this idea of the empty clothes. The empty clothes. This one we don't talk about much, but I think it's really interesting. Again, to John's account of the resurrection of Jesus in John chapter 20. And this is when uh, Peter, and Jan, uh, Peter and John become aware and they run to the tomb. And he stooped to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. And while the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings. And then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in and he saw 
and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus said that he must rise from the dead. We have the promise of empty clothes. These wrappings that Jesus was put in, these funeral clothes transformed to empty clothes as a sign of life, not of death. Funeral clothes are all about the person who died, but empty clothes are all about this life that Jesus has. These linen wrappings are discarded and are no longer needed. We don't have to fear death any longer. Everything about this was about a funeral. And Jesus made it all empty. He changed the meaning of death. Jesus is alive in our, he is the leader, the head of the body of Christ. It's interesting that they, John wrote about this and he said, you know, the cloth that was covering his head was put aside in a special place. It was folded up. It wasn't just thrown to the side. It was taken care of. Christ becomes our leader, our head, the director of our lives. And we live now in a way that says that our life is yielded to him. Everything about Funerals changed that day. And anytime we see empty cloths, we should be reminded that those clothes are proof that we have passed from death to life and that we respond in one way, belief. John ran to the tomb and waited outside. Peter rushed in, as he often did, and saw these things. Then John comes in, and it says this, and he saw the clothes and believed. One of the most powerful things that ever happens at a funeral is when a family is there and all the trappings of the funeral are there. The coffin's there, the person's dressed up nice, all the pictures are around and all the things. And the people say, this person isn't dead, they're alive. The empty promise that happens that day is that a funeral gets changed into something else. It's a living celebration. And so there's an empty promise on Easter morning. And it's the clothes that lay to the side. Here's the last thing that we have, and this is the one you'll be most familiar with, the empty cave. Jesus was buried in a cave cut out of rock, and then a large stone was put in front of it. They did it because it was near the place of crucifixion, and they did it because they had to hurry because the Sabbath was coming and you couldn't do any work on the Sabbath. And so this is what John says about that event. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. And she saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. Because they have taken away my Lord. She replied, and I don't know where they have put him. You see, the empty cave, the empty cave is 
just remembered and it's a reminder from someone being lost to someone being found. Mary, you know, is beside herself here. I don't know where they've put him. The empty cave promises that we can have life and an identity in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that Jesus is lost and we don't know where to find him. It means that we have been found because Jesus' life is now in us. We live with a new identity. We live with a new purpose. We live with the life of Christ in us. And those who were lost become found. Sheep get found. Lost coins get found, as Jesus teaches. Lost people get found, like the prodigal son. People get found all the time. It's so interesting that Mary is beside herself here saying, if you'll just tell me, in another one of the Gospels, they say, please, just tell me where he is so I can go. And then the light has to come on, and the understanding has to come. You don't have to look for him. He's here, and he's alive. Listen to what Luke's account says. And the men ask, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? The angels are perplexed. Why are you confused? Why would you look in a tomb? Why would you look in an empty cave? Why would you look there at a funeral for someone who's alive? He isn't here. He's risen from the dead. Remember what he told you back in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and that he would rise again on the third day. We have an empty promise and that promise is an empty cave. The living don't dwell in tombs. The empty cave shows that Jesus is truly alive, resurrected forevermore. And the empty promise of an empty cave shouts to the world that Jesus is alive. And he is not in an empty cave. He is risen. Don't look among the dead. He is alive. Do not dismiss him. And live your own life. He is here. Jesus has risen the third day just as he said. We started out by saying today all the promises are true. And I would say to you all the promises that Jesus fulfill are true. And I would say to you the empty promises are also true. There's an empty cross, and there are empty clothes, and there is an empty cave. And these empty promises tell you one thing. Not that God has forgotten you. Not that you're unworthy. Not that you can't be forgiven. Not that there isn't a place for you. The world tells you that. Your own sin tells you that. These empty promises just tell you one thing. Jesus is alive. And they're empty for you. Because of you. He's alive for you. Amen and amen.